Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. One of the hardest things that I, I, I face as a pastor, believe it or not, I'm just going to be, can I be honest with you guys? Yes, because I'm always honest. I try to be. But the, one of the hardest things for me to do is to try to navigate the moving of the Holy Spirit. Maybe some of you guys have been in church all your life. I understand. But this, me, and I've been only doing it for 15 years. But there's times I don't know what to do. Can I just... I don't know how to articulate it, but... Sometimes, and I'm a know-it-all. I'm a, trust me. Ask my wife. I know 80% of everything, but there are times literally I don't know what to do. <laughs> Papa, you know, I know it all. But it's times like this I don't know what to do, and I'm just sitting there like Lord. <laughs> Lord, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to exhort, encourage? Um, should I just get out of the way? I don't know what you want to do. And most of us will probably sit down and think and go, uh, okay, well, Lord, give me a word. So what's the Lord? We're waiting for that, that, that voice in the sky that says, be still. But most of the time, I don't get that. I don't hear that. But I just want to tell you guys, it, sometimes it just requires faith. If you're going to take that step and, okay, I need a sign, God, no. It's by faith. And guess what? Just want to let you guys know something. I make a lot of mistakes. Sometimes I get it wrong. Mom, don't, don't say nothing. There are times that I do get it wrong. But that's why we got grace. And when you're in this house, this, this church, I, I don't know about any other churches, I know you're going to make mistakes. I expect you to make mistakes, right? The same way you want grace when you want mistakes, can you give me grace when I make mistakes? This isn't my message, but I just want to let, let you guys know today, amen. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. I'm going to read this in the NIV. It says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Let me stop for a second. When God uses certain words like that to you, he's trying to get your attention. All right? Let's go back. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in the summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarce, scarcity like an armed man. Amen. I don't know where you guys are from, but I just know that 
I don't like to get robbed. Just put that in your back pocket. I don't like to get robbed, you guys. I, and, and I don't want to be the one that's robbing myself because I'm sitting on... Because I'm resting and a little folding of the hands, a little sleep, a little slumber. And before I know it, I got robbed, y'all. And you want to call the police when you're robbed, but then the police comes like you robbed yourself. Okay, let me get off that. Listen, you guys, we live in the greatest nation of all time. Some of you guys, I know you're thinking right now, oh, well, you know, there's stuff going on. Yes, there are issues, but we live in the greatest nation of all time. And most of us that are sitting here are citizens. And we have people that are here that are getting ready to become citizens. Amen. Some of us here been waiting a while to get their citizenship. Not a problem with it. And there's some people that are just here because they're visiting just to be here. Amen. But, however, I need you guys to know that this nation that we live in, it, is, it isn't as great as you think it is. You guys listen to me. And to be honest, I am trying my hardest to get my family, my wife, my kids, and everybody else I know out of this nation. Mm-hmm. And this nation I'm talking about is the greatest nation of all. It's called procrastination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Procrastination is not a place you want to live in. There's no opportunity, there's no promotion, there's no getting ahead in, in life, in procrastination. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, but there's one thing about this nation, procrastination, there's one thing I like about it, is it doesn't, ha- it, it, it doesn't have racism in procrastination. Everybody's everybody there. No, no color, no creed, no, no nothing, and no, no nationalities, no religions, it it's for everybody. I like that part about the nation, but it's not a place I want to live in. And like any other nation, procrastination has different states in it. You guys with me? There's a state there called laziness. Some people go there to vacation. There's another state that's close to it. It's called the state of excuses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, I'm, I, 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 I try to stay away from excuses, but I, I think for sometimes I may have a, 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 a home there, not just where I'm at, but like in that place. If you guys know what I'm saying? Some of you guys got vacation houses in, in Cabo and all these. Some of us got a home in the state of excuses. I'm just saying. Now, there's one more state I just want to talk about, and that's the state of tomorrow. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just, I'm trying to get there. Some of you want to go visit tomorrow, but guess what? You never get to tomorrow. Y'all always say, I, I, you know, I, I, 
tomorrow. I'm going to get to it. You'll never get there. So, yeah, yeah, just just put that in. Just hold that in. And I just wanted to tell you guys that if you want more in 24, you got to stop procrastinating. Yeah, y'all people. Yeah, I, I understand. And some of you guys, uh, yeah, it was a great analogy and everything like that. I'm not the guy that I could, I mean, at that point, I could have been in the state of, in the state of him. And no, I just want today, I am going to teach you some things. But if you want more in 24, it ain't just going to happen. More happens intentionally. And intentionally means doing things on purpose, deliberately making something happen. Not sitting down talking about maybe tomorrow. Life isn't like, the, you know, life's not handing out freebies, y'all. It's not like that. You can't expect to just sit on the couch and scroll through everything else. In your life, you're like, scroll, you're binge watching everything on Netflix. And then all of a sudden, you're like, you know what? Uh, one of these days, I'm just going to watch this. I'm going to binge watch this. And you know what? Oh, a pot of gold. It don't happen like that. Praise God. If you want more, you got to do more. And if you want more out of life, stop sitting around, sitting on the bench. Go ahead and get in the game. Make something happen, Captain. And do something about it. Now, I want it to be known. It's something the Lord had shared with me. And he's been, he's been, his word is so good. But he's just been really talking to my heart. And, and I talked to the elders about this um, months ago. And we talked about this. And I've been nervous to share this with everybody. I'm nervous. You know why I'm nervous about it? Because I'm about to step on some toes. Yeah. I'm, I'm like literally, um, um, Pastor Rachel, I'm just going to tell you right now, okay? After tomorrow or Tuesday when we have, let me know how many people left the church. That's just let, let me know. Huh? Okay. Just let me know. But I'm a friend. I'm a friend. You know, the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. So I'm a friend, and most friends will tell you the truth. Just as a side note, I'm going to let you guys know something. There's a difference between friends, enemies, and acquaintances. And some of you guys are saying, oh, my friend, they're not your friend. They're just acquaintances. They might even be allies, but they're not friends. So faithful are the wounds of a friend. Procrastination is the killer of progress. It's also a killer of your anointing. When I was in the hospital and I was recovering from my second heart surgery, I was sitting there and as I was laying there, I couldn't get up anywhere. So I just had some time with the Lord. You know, it's, it's great that sometimes you get sick and don't realize when there's no cable. And I was shaking so much, I, I couldn't read. Listen to what I'm telling y'all. All the medication, I couldn't even turn pages because I'm shaking and to look and all, the, I, all this stuff had happened to me. And I finally was like, I got to just ask the Lord whatever's going on in my life because he had my full attention. It's something about suffering that will bring you to a place to where you can hear God. 
So as I was laying there, I said, Lord, what is going on with my life right now? And I looked and started looking deep. And sometimes you just, if you want the right answers, you got to ask the right questions. And I said, Lord, what is it in me? And I know David said, create in me a clean heart, renewing me a right spirit. And and I, I started thinking about that. Some of us say that, but we really don't truly mean it. I started thinking about God. I'm asking you to come in my house and clean house. But God doesn't come in and wreck the house. He's going to walk in and he gives permission. You got to give him permission to walk through the door first. That's when you open up your heart. And then he'll just come there. If you come to my house, most people will come into my house and they'll stand. And they'll look there and they'll look at you and you're like, come on. Let me show you where to sit. Most of you guys will let let people into the house and they'll sit a nice clean space where everything's nice and it's clean. And we're like, Jesus is in my heart. But God says, yes, I'm not just here to sit on your couch. Please invite me to your bedroom. Please invite me to the closets. If you really, really want to be clean, let me go and open up your drawers. See, you notice nobody's clapping about that. Because right now, if I opened up your drawers, I will see how messy your life is. The bed looks is made, but all the stuff underneath. So I asked the Lord after I was using these EHS techniques, emotional, healthy spirituality. Yes, you guys, oh, you got, if you haven't taken the class. I started looking. Yes, very painful. <laughs> but I asked the Lord, revealing me that's hindering my progress and growth as a son, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, and a friend. And after many weeks of seeking out the Lord, this is what he said to me. Now, I just want to let you guys know, when the Lord speaks to you, he's going to speak to you through his word. Maybe it's King James, maybe it's whatever, but so many people have these own words. I'm sorry, I don't know. But when the Lord speaks to me, I can confirm it with his word. If the Lord didn't like people say, well, the Lord told me that I'm supposed to, I'm like, okay, hold on, let me see this. You supposed to do what? No, 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 no. But the Lord said this to me specifically. James uh, chapter 4 and 17. This is what he said to me. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and, don't, don't, and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. This hit me so hard. Because we like to look at this scripture and use it for other people. But God, when I say, God, show me what it is in me. He says, okay, look at my word. He says, if you know to do good and you don't do it, it is a sin to you. Okay, maybe you guys don't understand. I'll do it in the King John version, okay? (laughs) If you know you're supposed to make that phone call, are you supposed to prepare that sermon? Are you supposed to change the oil? Oh, yeah. Maybe you're supposed to go ahead and get your car uh, uh, serviced. You knew to do it, but you didn't do it. It's become a sin to you. You know that the changed oil light was on. 
And guess what happens? You wait till the car stops working. And then we play stupid. I'm trying to help you. It's funny, but it ain't funny. Because if you just would have sat down and saw the light, if you saw the light, I think the word just a minute ago was talking about the light. Because light talks about illumination and, and seeing and understanding. That's light. But then darkness is what keeps you ignorant. But you saw the light and you didn't do anything about it. And then you know what happens? Sluggard. You get robbed. And you're trying to blame everybody else. I don't know what to do. And you're on here putting on, the, on, on Facebook and Instagram about you a, a GoFundMe to get your car fixed because you didn't have money. No. All you had to do is pay $65 to get your oil changed when you saw the light. But you keep saying, I'll do it later. I'll do it tomorrow. Maybe next week. All that stuff that you didn't do has now become a sin to you. And, and I know it because it's, it's almost I can hear the voices in your head right now. That ain't a sin if I didn't change my oil. Well, guess what? If you didn't, let me help you guys out. And, and Habakkuk, you guys know Habakkuk, and, and, the, and everybody knows it's about tithing. And we know, bring ye all this, the, the tithe into the storehouse and my house will be filled. No, I'm not going to talk about that part because we all like the part when God turns around and he says, if you tithe, watch what's about to happen. He says, trust me or, or, or try me and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you're not able to receive. And this is, what, this is the part I like. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. See, listen, listen. But first of all, everybody wants, everybody likes the promises, but there's something that's conditional. I'm not even going to talk about it. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes if you bring the tithes into the storehouse. But this is the part. This, watch this. Now, as a Christian, I tithe. I go above and beyond just tithing. I like to do generational generosity in my church. So what I end up doing is I listen to the Lord, but watch this. This is what we do as tithers. Watch this. We sit down and we go, okay, I know that I need to change the oil, but God's going to rebuke the devourer for my sake. We're going to get longe longevity in Jesus' name on the oil in my car. It's anointing oil now, Jesus, in my engine. Hallelujah. No. Now you're frustrating God's grace. And then now you had to pay for an engine. And that money that you used to pay for your engine could have went to the church. Or could have went to something else in your house. You're now sinning. Because you're not being a good steward of what God gave you. Thank you for somebody that understands. And if you don't get it today, it's all right. You're going to get it later. After you get the bill for the engine. I promise you God's going to bring it up. This, that light-skinned, bald-head preacher that looks like Francis Chan is... 
told me that I was a slugger. So back to me in the hospital. <laughs> so all of this, I had to put all this in perspective. And what the Lord was telling me, I was guilty of chronic procrastination. And the biblical word is sluggard. And a sluggard is someone lazy, slothful, or unwilling to work. Spiritual uh, is a sign of spiritual apathy and inactivity. Now, just real quick, I know I'm only talking to about six people today. Because everybody else got their stuff together. There's only six people here. I can feel it. Oh, 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 yeah. Hey, hey, hey. I feel six people. There's only six. I'm only talking to six people, but I need you right now. Just look at your neighbor and look at your neighbor and ask this question. Is it me? No, no. So not, they say, now look at the, your neighbor, look him in the eye, say, is it me? Okay, then say this. Say, yeah, it's you. That's, yeah, that's what it is. That's who I'm talking to today. We have all been guilty of procrastination sometime or another. But ben, Benjamin Franklin said this. Don't put off until tomorrow what you can do. Some of you guys here are great at administration. You guys can schedule everything. You guys are good, but God bless you. But I'm only talking to the people that are kind of like me that wait to uh, do things later. Mm, yes, 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 yes. Uh, uh, there's just a few people, right? There was only six, right? Six. Okay, seven. Hallelujah, seven. Seven is, uh, is the, the number of completion. It's, it's yes, hallelujah. There was seven, seven. Can, can I get a, can I get eight? Can I get eight? Can I get eight? Can I get eight? Nine, 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 nine. Okay, nine, 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 ten, ten. Okay, we got 12, 12. Oh, hallelujah, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40. We got 40. All right, all right. I was, speak, I was speaking in tongues. Shadaba, hey. Proverbs 14 and 23. It says, all hard work brings a profit. Stop right there. All hard work brings a profit. You guys ever work for something? Hard. I talk about Pastor Lionel. You talk about work, this dude works. If you just ask, if, just honestly, me, I feel, I feel like a sissy when I shake his hands. This dude, because he works with his hands. And I'm just, I'm a man, I'm a dude, but when I go to shake his hands, I feel like, dang. Just, uh. Pastor Donald's the same way too. He got some big, thick hands with calluses and everything on them. But why? Because he puts in work. But watch this. But mere talk leads only to poverty. So that's why I feel funny, because I'm like, man, man, I need to go do some kind of work and get some calluses on my hand. But most, most of us, we talk about it, but we don't be about it. Hmm. And we have to make sure that we work hard and not be hardly working. Some, some people here, they're like, man, I want more in 24. I want more out of my life. And we're just talking about what they want. I want more. I want more. I want more. And, why, and next, before we know it, it's June. And you're like, I want more. I want more. I want more. And then it's going to be December 30th. And now you're thinking about the next year. And you're just thinking about what you didn't do. And it's been like that for the last, for some of y'all, over 50 years. Romans 7. 
I hate Romans 7. Yes, that's a word found in the Bible, hate. It is a strong word. And the reason why I hate it is because I see so much of myself. It's a very difficult set of scriptures to even go through because I start seeing what's in me. There's so many things in there that it's hard for me to even follow. And you guys will get it when I read it. Romans 7, 20 through 21. Now, if I do what I do, not what to do, it is no longer I who do it. But it's sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. The sin of procrastination is in you. It's built in you, just like any other sin. We need to crucify our flesh, but we also need to stop procrastination. Procrastination in our homes, in our work, in our church, and in our generational line. Oh, procrastination. Listen, when we procrastinate in our home, you know, listen, you guys know that toilet needs to be fixed. Yeah, and it was funny because I can see you don't, you could see me, but I see all y'all. And when I said the toilet needed to be fixed, I saw a couple people go. Watch this, watch this. Don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. I'm not even gonna look. You've gotten so used to the smoke alarm chirping. <laughs> don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But you got used to it. It's gotten so bad that there's like four of them in the house singing harmony. Like... And while you're laughing, listen to this. Do you realize that your procrastination is seen by other people? My neighbor, back in the day, I'm, I'm not, because just in case my neighbor's seeing this, but <laughs> one of my neighbors one time, far along, <laughs> way long ago, every day for over a year, I could hear his procrastination. I literally went and knocked on the door. He didn't answer the door, and I gave him a pack of batteries. Because it irritated me. I was irritated. That's how it feels when I'm around people that always procrastinate and don't get things done, especially if I'm counting on you. We do procrastination at work. You know work starts at the same time every day. But you roll over and hit the snooze button. And then you try to hurry up to get to work late. And then this is the one thing that really, you guys watch this. You know you're, you know you're late for work. But yet you walk into work late with a cup of coffee from Starbucks. Procrastination. 
sluggard. We also procrastinate in church. Now, I'm not even talking about you first-time visitors. We're talking about people here that serve. We spend as a church, Jackie, a lot of money. We spend a lot of money on software to remind you guys to serve and when you're serving. But you don't respond or you wait till the last minute to let us know you're going to be here. You're not going to be here. Sluggard. And I'm looking at all the youth right over there in the corner. You are giving my son gray hair before his time. If you keep procrastinating, how can God count on you? You want riches, you want this, you want that, but you can't even do the right thing when God gives you something and you sit on it procrastination in our generational bloodline. This is big. The same way alcoholism, drug addiction runs in families is the same way procrastination is passed down from generation to generation to generation. Nobody brought a rock in here, right? Don't throw nothing at me. We like to sit down and we will say, man, I break in the name of Jesus every curse, every generational curse that is in our bloodlines. And then you start calling it out in the name of Jesus, alcoholism in the name of Jesus, um, procrastination in the name of Jesus. We're saying, I mean, we don't even use procrastination. We will talk about all the big things. Lord, get, let's get this and in, 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 whatever, whatever, and this and that. But we never sit down and think about procrastination as being something in our generational bloodline. It's there. And we've been like that for so long, we don't even recognize it. I'm going to say this to you. Don't say nothing, because now that I say it, I know you're going to notice it. But I'm going to say it to you, and I'm just being vulnerable right now, so don't judge me, okay? So, when we see something on ourselves, it gets to a point that we get used to it, right? So, like, I, every day I go in the mirror, brush and shave and do everything, everything else. But over the last two years, I actually hit my head, right? Boom. And I got this knot right here. It's right here. Maybe you don't see it. It's, like, right there, right there. Yeah, see? Thank you. People love me. The reason why I'm saying that is I don't see it because I've gotten used to it. And people that love me, they never even said anything to me about it. But I know what they're thinking. They're like, what happened in his head right there? It's like, because that's where I feel like, hey, hey, Ruben, how you doing? Right? When it's that obvious, saints, sometimes we get used to it. But can, can somebody be a friend and see and go to tell somebody? It's like, look, man, uh, you was late to serve last week. Are you looking at somebody and go, hey, man, I noticed that you ain't... You ain't been doing this or you ain't been doing that. 
When it's in our generational bloodline, we have to recognize it and not settle for the, what it looks like. We sometimes there's things that we like. Literally, right now, I'm I've been talking to my doctor. Get this thing out of my head. I don't want to see it anymore. And that's how we need to be with procrastination in our lives. I'm tired of looking at it. I don't want to pee like this anymore. So here we go. If you guys take notes, praise God. I want you guys to write down some notes, and, 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 and hopefully this is going to change your life. Matter of fact, I know it is. But here are three traits of a sluggard, I mean a procrastinator. Number one, lack of planning. What you mean? <laughs> well, you know, I don't usually plan. I'm just like spur of the moment. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I like to do things. I just like to do them. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to. I don't have to. No. Because that used to be me. But lack of plan in Proverbs 20 and 4 in the ESV says this. The sluggard does not plow in autumn. He will seek to harvest and have nothing. A lack of planning. What is it saying about if you don't plan? Was it lack of plan? Amen. Fail to plan, plan to fail. A sluggard doesn't plow in autumn. Listen, this person, this the sluggard, it's not you because there's only six people. 40. We got to 40. 40. Hold on. Okay, we got those people. But when you're a sluggard, you don't plow, which means you know what to do and you don't do it. And then after you don't do it, you turn around and you're like, man, I need something. Kind of like, Oh, I'm not going there. Um, no, I can't. See, everybody's like, Ted, I just want to hear you. Yeah. It's like people that, that want something from the government, but you didn't even do anything. Now, I'm not talking about people that really need help. But I'm talking about people that want handouts because they want handouts. They don't, they ex- they don't do any work, but they expect to get paid. Okay, you told me to say it. I said it. There's another trait. Having lots of excuses for laziness. Proverbs 22, 13 says this. The sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. What does that mean? (laughs) Like, what, what does that even mean? No, 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 no. It's dangerous out there in them streets. This is what happens when people give so many excuses for not doing something. Hey, man, I want you to serve. Well, you know, I'm just waiting on the Lord right now. I don't want to commit. You know, you know that. You guys know what I'm talking about. You guys, we're talking about church. What about relationships? The sluggard says there's a lion in this. How can you make up? There's no lions in Susun. But we have excuses for everything. And then once we make the excuse, there comes a long plethora of reasons why you can't go. But you know, you know this is dangerous out there right now. It's dangerous for everybody. There's things that you need outside your house. Go outside and do what you need to do. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. It's so dangerous outside. 
Next, next one, the lack of sense. And I'm not talking about sense like C-E-N-T-S. I'm talking about sense like common sense. Proverbs 24, 30, 30 through 34. I went past the field. I went past to the front yard of a sluggard, past his front yard of someone who had no sense. And thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone walls were in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a thief. Scarcity like an armed man. I said it earlier. I'm tired of being robbed because of my lack of sense. You knew there was a deadline, but you waited the night before to finish your work. Come on, students. I already know. I got teenagers and I got grown children. I know that the teachers give you the, the, before the assignment, they tell you when it is. And you wait till the night before to try to finish it. And you're up all night. And I'm like, why aren't you in bed? I'm just trying to finish my homework. I told you earlier about the oil change. Lack of sense. Like right now, like right now, my, actually it's not my car, it's Kai's car. That's what makes it so bad. No, because I'm responsible for all her things. I take care of everything my wife. My wife drives the car, but I put gas in it because that's my job. That's what I do for my wife. That's the, Isaiah, you, you know this. I'm, I'm giving some of y'all out here. You need to look. There was only a couple of people like. My wife, see, this is a whole nother stuff, but I'm just about to tell you. My wife will come to me. She'll come in the car, stop, and she goes, the car's empty, and come and sit down. People are, some of y'all are thinking about, well, well, you knew you were supposed to get, it doesn't matter. It's my job. You guys are tough. That's just what I do for my wife. Can I get some men out here? Thank you. I'm going to tell y'all right now, I don't want to turn this message into something it shouldn't be. Y'all need to be here on the third Saturday of every month. And I'm going to tell y'all about um, being a husband. Because I don't, my wife doesn't take out the garbage. She don't even know how to take the garbage out. We in church. <laughs> Look at it, it's quiet now. What was we talking about before I get in trouble? I want to honor my wife. I want to bless my wife. See, because I'm just talking about me. I know what her job is. I'm, I'm staying in my lane about what I'm supposed to do. Some of y'all women around here looking, looking for the wrong things. If you want a man of God that does the, the right thing, you need to make sure you start, get, a, get the right kind of picker. You know what a picker is? It's up here because some of you have been picking the wrong guys. That's why you're from one guy and one guy and one guy. It got quiet. 
It's kind of like when, when Adam said, but Lord, this woman you gave me. Right now, that's with the women. But the, Lord, it's this, this man you gave me. Some of, some of us are so used to doing everything last minute that it's become deemed normal. We tell ourselves, I work well in pre- under pressure. That, listen, listen, I want, I want to see this. How many of you have put on your resume, I work well under pressure? Come on, be honest. Be honest. Be honest. I work well, I work well under pressure. Yes. I do my best work under pressure. (laughs) Not knowing, you keep saying, this is what we say, I work well under pressure, but we're not knowing that we created the pressure ourselves. Huh? You know what's supposed to get done. It's like we wait. It's like, yeah, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, I'm waiting. I think there's a story about that. Was it the, the hare and the tur- tortoise? He sat down. He's like, I got time. <laughs> this guy's slow. Last minute preparations get last minute results. And the last minute results usually are mediocre. And the hard thing about this is we turn around and celebrate mediocrity. Wow, it was great, man. Look what we built. Look what we got done. And you celebrate it, and everybody celebrates. What if you prepared, you planned, and you got everything else, and you did it every day like you were supposed to? Then you get excellence. The problem is with us, we don't even know what excellence is. Right now, in our, in our society right now, we are celebrating mediocrity, and, and, and we don't even know what excellence is. See, procrastination is a complex behavior influenced by various factors. Now, here are some of the common reasons why people procrastinate. I'm not going to take, take too much time, but listen, listen real quick. Lack of motivation. How many people ain't motivated sometimes? Okay, watch this. How many people ain't motivated to work. That, but that's not what I'm saying. So there's a lack of motivation. When individuals lack a clear understanding of the benefits and importance of a task, they may struggle to find motivation. Without a compelling reason to start, they may delay it. Motivation. That's why some of you guys said, like at the beginning of the year, I'm going to gym, I'm going to lose weight. But you lack motivation. You guys are hard. You're so deep today. Next one is fear of failure. Fear of failure. This is why we procrastinate. Fear is not, um, fear of not meeting expectations or fear of failure can paralyze individuals, leading them to avoid tasks that trigger anxiety. I'm afraid. I don't want to do that. Procrastination becomes a coping mechanism to avoid potential negative outcomes. Fear, failure. Another one. Tasks are too difficult or it's too complex. If a task is perceived as too difficult or complex, individuals may postpone it. I don't want to change the oil myself. 
It's too difficult. It's too hard. I'm not motivated. Oh, I went backwards. The next one is, watch this. This is just for a few people. Perfectionism. Perfectionists may delay starting a task because they fear it won't be able, they're not able to complete it perfectly. This is all or nothing mindset can hinder progress and lead to procrastination because I don't, I want excellence, but I won't do it. So I procrastinate and then it never gets done. Poor time management. Right, y'all looking for right now. Insufficient time management skills can contribute to procrastination. Individuals may underestimate time required for the task or engage in activities that distract them from their responsibilities. Poor time management. Here's the next one. Lack of self-discipline. Oh! Oh! Procrastination can be a result of lack, the lack of self-discipline. Some individuals struggle to resist immediate gratification. That's why we're standing in front of the TVs and our phones and everything else. Come on, y'all. Lack of self-discipline. You know you need to do something, and you sit there on the phone, and then when it's done, you're like, man, I, I just don't have the time to get it done. You don't have the discipline to put your phone down, turn the TV off, and get things done that need to get done. I know I'm preaching today. I, I'm just being honest. I'll pat myself on the back. <laughs> and I'm not preaching this to you to get you right. I'm preaching it to you because I'm going through it right now. You know, a lot of people, see, this is what I've learned as a pastor. People told me, listen, pastor, uh, anytime you preach, only preach for something that you've been through. I said, okay, I get that. Well, I'm still going through this. Because sometimes your, your deliverance isn't immediate. I, I'm still walking this thing out. So with all those things, I just want to say, here are five strategies. Since I, since, yeah, look at, I'll praise God. I, as soon as I said, I'm going to give you five strategies. I heard people say, <laughs> And you know what I think we're going to do? This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. Hankins, Pastor Hankins this is what we're going to do because I really want to help you. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send the strategies out, maybe a little bit list of five strategies and maybe some more that can help you to keep you from procrastinating. We're going to put that, we're just, we'll have it up. I don't know how it's going to happen after service. Um, I want you guys to go to the connections, the connections table in, in, um, why do I always say the welcome center and you can get all the information there. So just put that if not, you guys can actually go online and rewatch it. You can go to the um, podcast, everything else. Okay, you guys ready? Five strategies to help prevent the underlying reasons for procrastination. Number one, set clear and achievable goals. Set clear goals for each task, breaking big tasks into smaller steps. It helps you to know that you're doing, why you're doing it, and making it less likely to procrastinate when motivation is low. So you got to break some of these things down, break them down like the big projects. And do you, you, oh, you see it in its entirety? No, just take a little bit here, a little bit here, and then a little bit here. Next, cultivate a, a growth mindset. 
Embrace a learning mindset instead of freaking out about your mistakes. Mistakes are normal and give chances to grow. We talked about that earlier. Who wants to grow? Well, there's going to be mistakes. I make them all the time. I don't admit it all the time. Changing how you, you uh, think like this can actually help us ease the fear of failing, making it easier to tackle tasks on a positive mindset. Now, here's a big one. Develop effective time management skills. Improve the time management by accurate, accurately estimating the time required for a task. Just because you say it's going to be two days, and all of a sudden, you, and watch this, you see, it's like, every time I say it's going to be two days, I'm just only talking to the carpenters in here. When they say I, that they're going to do the kitchen in three weeks, and it ends up being nine weeks, bad time management skills. So what we do, create a schedule or a to-do list, priority tasks based on their importance and deadlines, breaking tasks into smaller time blocks, using techniques like, oh, I can't even say it, Pomodoro, whatever technique, it's on the notes, it's in the notes, to enhance focus during work intervals and building up a task. So what it is, is every time if you're on a computer, maybe you're one of those people that you're on a computer and you're getting something done, you have to have a clock, like on your phone. I'm only going to do work for 20 minutes, and then take a break. Go back, set your alarm. Five minutes, do whatever, and come back. If you have ADHD, you might know this, and maybe you don't know this, but it will help your life. It will change your life. Trust me. Yes. So, next one. You guys ready for this? Combat perfectionism. Recognize and challenge perfectionism tendencies. Understand that perfectionism is often unattainable and that the pursuit of perfection can lead to procrastination. Focus on progress rather than perfection and set realistic standards for yourself. I'll say that again. Set realistic standards for yourself. Embracing imperfections can reduce anxiety and fear of not meeting high standards, making it easier to start and complete tasks. Last one. Establish accountability. Ooh, nobody likes that word. <laughs> That's a problem if you don't take suggestions. Because then you're not accountable. That's why you're always out and flailing around. This is the flailing around in life because you're not accountable to anybody. See, when you're in a part of a church family, and I, I'm just going to put this out there, you have accountability. That, yeah, I'm the pastor, but don't think I don't get checked. I have pastors and other pastors and other people that, that I love and everything else will tell me. It's like, look, pastor, you said you was going to do this, and you didn't do it. Huh? That's accountability. You can't be sitting back talking, well, I don't need to talk to anybody else. I only talk to me and the Lord. Then guess what? Share your goals and deadlines with somebody you trust, such as a friend or a family member or a colleague. Have someone to hold you accountable. This can, can provide motivation and a sense of responsibility. Regular check-ins. Regular check-ins or progress updates with accountability partners can help you stay on track and reduce the tendencies of procrastination.
Amen. Amen. Now as I close, by incorporating these, these strategies into your routine, you can address the underlying factors that contribute to your procrastination and foster a more proactive and productive mindset. So, with this, I'm going to leave you guys with this. Stop procrastinating. Because it could literally kill you. Procrastination shouldn't be found in our lives. Just like any other sin. If, if, if as a man, you know, sometimes, you know, look, you were like, I'm a chaste man. I'm this, I'm doing that. But every once in a while, you find yourself kind of sneaking and looking a way you shouldn't be looking. When you recognize it, get rid of it. You take every thought captive, as the Bible says. You bring it into captivity. Every thought that, it, that, that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ and bring it into captivity. So as you bring that in, you, you sit down and you step on it because, look, I don't want to procrastinate in my life anymore because there's so many more things that God has for us to do, not just in my own life, but in his church. We are a body fitly joined together. I want my hands operating the way that they need to operate. Some of you guys here are hands. Some of you are feet. I remember when I was in the hospital, uh, my legs wouldn't work because they were sitting there and I was like, I wanted them to work. So I had to encourage my legs to start working and I strengthened my legs and now I'm able to run and jump. And that's what it looks like for the body of Christ. But if I keep sitting down and not doing anything with my legs and procrastinating, saying, oh, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll never get to where I want to get. So I want you guys to stand to your feet. And I want to leave you with this set of scriptures. This is Matthew 25, 1 and 13. And I think this, this verse, or these set of scriptures, will change your life because it has to do with procrastination and the sin of procrastinating. It says this, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out and meet him. Then all of those virgins who rose and trimmed their lamps and the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered said, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. Afterward, the sluggard virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he answered, he said, truly I say to you, I don't know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. 
So what does that mean? And I, some of you guys might even know, but what does that mean? Who's the bridegroom? What are they talking about? This is Jesus Christ saying, I am the bridegroom and I'm going away, but I'm coming back. And those lamps that they, those, those virgins had, because watch this, the reason why they're saying that they're virgins, because everybody's like, virgins, what, what does a virgin have to do? Virgins is because it means they're pure. They were made pure because they were forgiven. And they carry a lamp. And a lamp, what do you carry in a lamp? A light. So when he came back, when it was that time, and they heard the sound of people say, behold, the bridegroom comes. Here comes Jesus. He's on his way. Just like what's happening right now. Oh, my God. The signs are showing right now. And everybody's looking for an angel. But angels are just ministers. They could be people saying, look, the time is now. The signs are showing to all of us right now. The Lord said, look, you need to go and prepare for my coming. But guess what? People slept. But they got up when they heard. They, they shook and they were like, oh man, let me get everything. And they had the, they had the, the uh, oil, the anointing. They had the light and they made sure that their lights were on. And then when they came, Jesus came. He said, come on in. And what did he mean? Come with me to a place that I prepared a place for you. That where I'm at, you may also be. He said, enter in. And when he entered in, watch this. He shut the door. Kind of like when Noah had to shut the door of the ark. When they laughed and said, yeah, it's raining, but it doesn't matter. This dude's crazy. They shut the door. Never to enter in. Jesus is shutting the door when he comes. But the five foolish virgins, they weren't ready because they procrastinated. And the Lord, when they're looking, knocking on the door, they're like, please let us in. Look, I served at your church. I've healed in your name. I cast out demons in your name. The Lord says, no, I never knew you. My door is shut. If you're here today, maybe you know the Lord. Maybe you're one of those virgins that say, today, I want to make sure that I have anointing oil with me. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. If that's you today, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Now, there is no prayer, and I know everybody, you know, we at church like, eh, Jesus, come into my heart. No. As the Bible says, they were pricked in their heart. That means, Lord, I receive you. When you were saying, I need to do, what do I, what must I do to be saved? Just call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you today, I just want to pray with you. If today you're saying, look, look, my, my, I'm one of those guys that I need to run and renew my oil. I want to trim my lamps. If that's you today, I want to pray with you. So I want to ask you to come front. I'm going to ask the uh, prayer team to come up. If you need prayer. If you need anything else like that, you want to give your life to Christ, if you want to renew your life with Christ, I need you guys to come on up. Praise God.